This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm Frank Proctor, along for the ride here, as uh, in my usual hosting position or co-hosting Excuse me. Uh, um, I'm, I'm the sous chef. Uh, I am the undergardener. I am but a lackey in Keep Charlie's eyes. Charlie Dobbin, the, the voice that so rudely interrupted me, uh, when I had my only job to do here to give the phone numbers. Mm-hmm. First of all, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Franklin. You're forgiven. All right. <laughs> We've had a be- an already beginning day. Yeah, I know. I know. People We've been will, at each other. People will, sniping. No, not so much. Well, I've been sniping, but you know, <laughs> we've been doing all this like frickin' frack stuff yeah, where we just, say the same thing. But you know things. something? It's funny how you connect with people. Mm-hmm. Charlie and I, for some reason, have the same sort of warped mind that you come up with weird, weird things, you know, at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah? true. It's yeah, true. absolutely. Well, here. Now, enough of that. Enough of that. Let's get the phone numbers on the air because there are gardeners out there who want to call in with questions or they want to call in with some advice. You never know. Toronto? Yeah. Okay, call 416-360-0740, and then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The mantra of the show, call early, call often, one question per call, and if you are a first-time caller, let uh, James Patrick Dooley know when you call in. He's the voice, the, the producer of the show, so he'll he'll uh, get get a little star beside your name, and I'll know to do that, which means you are now officially on the Garden Show for the first time. <laughs> Welcomed yes, for the first time. Yes, welcome. And uh, those are all wonderful points. Thank you very much. For well, me. thank you very much. Now, now, I would like to give oh. some. Oh, you want to, oh, yeah, that's right. It's a garden show. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Right. Sure. And it's all about the garden show and garden <laughs> events. And I would just like to share with everybody who's out there some of the things that are going on today, for example, and all weekend. Remember, it's the uh, Garden Walk Buffalo. So if you're going south or you need an excuse to go across the border, mm-hmm. 366 gardens are open today and tomorrow, all free. Just wander around, get some ideas, meet some really fun people. All the maps are at www.gardenwalkbuffalo.com. Coming up, August 7th and 8th, uh, the Lakefield Antique and Flower Show and Sale. Now, this is at the Lakefield Smith Community Centre, just north of Peterborough, in Lakefield, of course. It's a truly outstanding show. It's organized by amazing volunteers. Thousands of people enjoy this over the years. It's their 35th year. Right. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Admission is $5. The show runs Wednesday the 7th, August 7th, from 10 to 7, and then Thursday, August 8th, from 10 to 5. There's a flower show portion that opens at 11 on Wednesday to allow time for judging of the entries. So you might want to even compete with in the flower show. So, again, more information, just go to the Lakefield um, Hort Society uh, website. Saturday, August 10th. 
Sheridan Nurseries, for the first time ever, is hosting a special 100th anniversary open house at their Glen Williams Farm in Georgetown. The event promises to be a day of celebratory, fun-filled activities for the whole family. And as I mentioned, for the first time ever, members of the public can tour the farms, learn about the latest growing techniques, watch live planting demonstrations, and participate with interactive displays, as well as enjoy, and you're going to like this, a delicious free barbecue. Ooh, I like it already. I think we'll be there. There will also... James Patrick Dooley just put up his hand, too. That's right. He's got it on his calendar now, too. (laughs) Now, it is a really beautiful farm. I have been there and toured it. It, They do have some very innovative things going on at Mm -hmm. their farm, uh, particularly the way they... Use water because, of course, at a farm you use a lot of water to grow plants, but you can't just pour like where do you get your water from? And then, of course, you can't just let it go out into the fields. So, it's all about these closed cycles of Mm -hmm. holding uh, water area cisterns, etc., and the water going back in and round and round. It's super interesting. They've done a really good job, like I say, a pretty state of the art uh, system they have with their watering. So, it's interesting just from an engineering perspective. So, lots of children's activities at this event as well. There's a reptile show, pony rides, um, all kinds of things. There's door prizes. The first 500 families that attend will receive a boxwood seedling to take home. Because Sheridan's is quite famous for some of the uh, research and development they've done mm-hmm. over the years. And they, there is a, a number of boxwoods that were invented, if you will, by the Sheridan uh, scientists, geneticists, and, uh, and growers. So anyway, 11 to 3 p.m., there is bus transport being offered from the local Sheridan Nurseries Garden and is Centers. This, this weekend? No, darling, it's the 10th. 10th, I'm sorry. Okay. So it's not this weekend and... Would it be next? I think it's two weeks. Right. Two weeks from today. Right, you are. Okay. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. More information. SheridanNurseries.com events, like slash events. And just a reminder that, uh, as usual, the Toronto Botanical Gardens is hosting terrific Thursdays every Thursday all summer. There's free open-air concerts at 7 p.m., so they have live music up in the gardens, quite lovely. There's an organic farmer's market every Thursday from 3 to 7, Mm -hmm. and I have shopped there before. There's some pretty nice stuff. There are free guided garden tours at 6 p.m. There are activities for children between 5.30 and 7.30, and the gift shop and the garden cafe are open late as well. So, you know, lots going on. If you need something to do on a Thursday or you just want to get out, get some fresh air, listen to some music. That's the spot. Good food. That's the spot, exactly. Excellent. Uh, just torontobotanicalgarden.ca is the website. Okay. okay. Time is uh, 914. To have to take a little bit of a break here because we do have folks calling in, anxious to talk to Charlie. We will return here on AM740, live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Here with you on a Saturday morning, Frank Proctor, along as the sous chef or undergardener. Keep that in mind. And you know, first caller is a first-time caller, Cliff in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show. Hi, Frank. How you doing? All right. Good morning, Cliff. I have a little question for you. Sure. Uh, Somewhere back in my mind, I thought that I heard that you could put uh, used tea bags in your garden. Mm -hmm, You can. Which I've been doing. Mm -hmm. But uh, all my patients have gone... (laughs) 
dead. Okay, well, that's two different things that are going on there. I don't think uh, tea bags, it's tannic acid, isn't it? And maybe they... The uh, and patients, they don't like that. Uh, actually, no. What it is, there's two different things going on. One is to actually to address the impatience question, and I had an email on the exact same question from, where is she? I've got her right here. Uh, Valerie in Scarborough. Uh, the mystery of the dead impatience is how she entitled her email. It's not your fault. It's got nothing to do with the tea bags. And Valerie, it's got nothing to do with you and your neighbors all losing your impatience this year. There is a disease out there. It is called downy mildew. It's a virus. Uh-huh. Sorry, it's a mild, um, a fung- fungus, fungal disease. And it's in the soil. Uh, Unfortunately, impatients are highly susceptible to this disease, and when planted into soil, where that downy mildew is quietly percolating away in the soil, uh, they do collapse. They just overnight almost just kind of shrivel up and hit the ground, and they're done. Well, you can't blame the tea bags. Uh, it's not the tea bags. Nope, not okay. at all. Yeah, don't blame the tea bags. No. So just know in your heart of hearts that you should not plant impatience in that same soil for at least five years because that uh, the spores from the fungus will remain active in the soil for as long as five years. Okay. Now, that's just the regular impatience. Next Thank year, you, you can put something else. Okay. Okay, but the tea bags are fine. Just don't put them all in one spot. Sprinkle okay. them around. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot, Cliff. Thanks, and Cliff. Uh, again, first time caller. That's that's a nice yeah. way to start the show. Uh, this is the last Saturday of July, as it you'd mentioned is. when we came into the studio. So, wow, get those that, calls in here. The get a, summer's moving fast. <laughs> oh, and I man, just want to remind everybody, I mentioned it briefly yeah. last year. Remember, at the end of July, this is if we're the kind of people that go out and do the fer- you know fertilize, we mix up fertilizer, we put it on our vegetables and flowers and plants or any kind of fertilizer yeah. whatsoever. This is it. The end of July, no more fertilizer except your annual plants, like your vegetables and annual flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's just the annual vegetables, not the asparagus and the you know Except, rhubarb yeah. and that sort of thing. And so those you can continue to fertilize if they're annuals and will die in the winter. Uh, and your lawn, of course, will get a fertilizing later in the fall. Very good. Okay. Good point to bring up again, too. Very timely. Thank you. Catherine in Toronto <laughs> <laughs> with a question about a butylon. Oh, yes. Well, let's find out what's going on there. Hey, good morning, Catherine. <laughs> good morning, uh, Frank. Um, um, by the way, the nice gentleman who took my call said he recognized my voice. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Well, that nice, nice gentleman is, you know, he's a pretty good-looking guy. Uh, oh, wow. Well, we're, trying to, we're trying to find him a date, you know. Oh, we really, really? are. Yeah. He's well, a sweetheart. James <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, the, yes, the abutilon, mm-hmm. um, I phoned you about it before, and I'm just wondering what to do now. Uh, I... Planted it, bought it, planted it last summer in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put it in a pot and brought it inside for last winter. Mm-hmm. And um, this summer, I just took it in the pot and stuck it with the other flowers mm-hmm. in the garden. Now, it, I'm so glad it's blooming. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an overload of <coughs> leaves. There's an awful lot of green. And I'm all especially located around the top. And I'm wondering, should I prune it, uh, and if so, when? Have you been fertilizing it? Well, I did fertilize it to some extent, yes. Actually, I used an orchid fertilizer on it, and I think that's what prompted it. All the green growth. I think you could be right. So, all right, no more fertilizer. Okay. And, um, all right, so it's in the ground. It's in a sunny spot, I assume? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
You could prune it. I would, but look closely. You don't want to prune off buds, flower buds. A butylon, for anybody who's listening and isn't sure what we're talking about, it's a tropical plant commonly called flowering maple. Because oh. the leaves look like a maple leaf, but of course it's not really a maple. No. And it does get these neat little bell-type flowers. And a beautiful orange. color. Yeah, orange or yellow. What color is yours? Uh, orange. Yeah, it's very. It's a lovely mm. plant. And so I, I was just going to say, just, you can prune anything you off, anything off that you wish to, but look closely before you do so because you don't want to take off flower buds. And that's oh. where they're going to form, right, is on the tips. Oh, okay. Okay, so just look really close before you do any trimming. Okay, you prob- I did say it's, it's still in the pot. Right. That's good because you're going to lift it up out of the soil Uh at the end of August, early Uh September. You're going to scrub that pot off. You're going to give the whole thing a soap and water wash, and you're going to take the whole thing into your house before it gets cold. Okay. Okay. That's great. Look, she's lined up so much work for you already. I know. You, you didn't expect that, I'll bet. No. That's added to everything else there is to do up there. Put that on the list. Thank Thanks for the call. Much. Okay, Catherine. Right. Thank you very much. 922 here on a Saturday morning, the so, Garden Show. It says 921 on my clock. Uh, it says uh, 92158. You're going you're gonna to break me for what? Two seconds? What a... Well, Oh, what a slave driver. I tell you. Okay. You do like uh, we, to take advantage. We have to take another little break here. I because, know we do. And I'm anxious to do that because on the other side of a few words from our fine sponsors, we're going to be having a, another first-time caller. Welcome to the line. Now, let's start doing some exercise. I'm not kidding about this. Well, I mean. You have got to start working out too, Miss. I, I'm telling I've you. I've been trying to. Yeah. You know, I just, it's hard to find the time, right? It's yeah. on my list. <laughs> You couldn't wear a Speedo like I can wear a Speedo. That's absolutely yeah. correct. I was thinking about, you know, all these superhero movies they've got out. Uh, Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. Being one. I was you just Jackman, thinking about, I'm the exact same body type. That's right. Like, you know, you're like that, right? You can leap tall buildings and save, you uh-huh. know, little women in distress and help people across too. the road. Yes. <laughs> now, why is it that Frank is such a crazy, busy, out there, saving the world kind of guy? Because he takes his Sierra Sill and Sierra Sill makes us feel better. It allows us to be active and pain-free. Instead of having creaky, sore joints, we're smooth and literally literally pain-free. So if you're interested in learning more about Sierra Sill, give them a call at 1-877-JOINT-14. Or, is that right? Did I say that right? Joint 14. That's right. 1-877-JOINT-14. Whew. You can pick up Sierra Sill at many of your health food stores, like Noah's Natural Foods at Eglinton & Young, St. Clair & Young, and Bloor Street, all in Toronto, or check them on the web, sierrasill.ca. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. It's the happy troika, the terrific trio, uh, James Patrick Dooley, our producer, uh, myself, Frank Proctor, of course, and the wondrous and beautiful... Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> I, I couldn't say, get through without laughing. You're, I mean, you're putting me last. You better put some good well, no, adjectives Well, I'm building in up, there. you see. Oh, you always leave the last till best. Oh. Uh, best till last. Do you? Whatever. <laughs> hey, Mary from Mississauga. Gosh, first of all, well, there you are. Go. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And what's going on in your garden, Mary? Well, I have some beautiful climbing roses mm-hmm. uh, with hundreds of blooms. Mm. Uh, it's about eight feet across, about eight feet high. Mm-hmm. And my problem is the distance 
to the fence to tie up the branches is just too deep to do that. And I'm wondering, how much can I cut these roses back, and should I deadhead the, the uh, spent flowers? Hmm, good questions. Well, I, by the sounds of it, to go out there and start deadheading would take you weeks. <laughs> if you've got hundreds of blooms, yes. it's a lot of work to deadhead that many blooms. Yes. But nothing wrong with doing it. It certainly cleans up the rows. Um, I typically don't deadhead my climbers unless there's just something really hanging out, super easy to get, you know, brown, right. messy, past blooms that are easy to, to trim off. In terms of what kind of pruning can you do, yes. here's the scoop. I know it's very hard at this time of year to get into your climbing roses or any rose bushes because they're big and they're floppy and they're prickly and they're not, not nice to work with. Right. What I do with climbing roses that are in tight situations where there's just not a lot of room for them to spread out across a walkway is I do minimal pruning in the fall, just enough, and and just randomly prune in the fall, like later, I'm talking October, November fall, to um, eliminate the swinging canes that are going to either damage themselves or somebody walking by. So trim that stuff off. But in the spring, I trim my climbing roses almost flat to the wall or, or the fence, just right back. There's just nothing coming off. It's completely flat. It's canes from the ground straight up being held in position by a trellis and then from that point the shoots come out and the roses come out and instead of coming you know four or five feet off the wall or the fence it's only coming a foot or two off and I find that that works the best and I do that like I say very hard pruning in the spring. So spring is really the best time to do it. Yeah I mean you're talking one or two feet back or just well, how well, you said it's eight feet tall and eight feet wide. How yes. deep is this whole plant when you, you know, depth from the fence coming forward? Yeah, I see. Because it's uh, probably about, I don't know, five feet deep. Yeah. Uh, the depth from the front of the roses to, to the, back. the fence. That's right. Five and feet deep. That's right. So are you saying that I could prune it right back? How, how far would you, with the five feet depth, would you prune back? Well, I mean, it, partially it depends on how the canes are coming up out of the ground because you I have see. to look like where the plant was planted. If it's planted, you know, the crown of the rose is uh, two feet off the fence, then, of course, you can't prune any further back than that. So you're no. still going to, you know, you're still going to be in a situation where you've got to allow those canes to come straight up out of the crown of the plant and then you're going to affix them back to your fence. And But all my point is, is don't let those canes be big, long, flopping over things in the spring. Cut them right back so that, yes, they're held to the fence, but they, you bring them right down to four feet tall or you know five feet tall. Don't let them be eight or nine or ten feet tall in oh. the spring because they're just going to be twice that by the summer. Oh, I see. Right? So it's, you know, it's a bit hard to describe on the radio, but just that idea of prune it, you know, think about where the new growth is going to come from and don't be afraid to do hard pruning in the spring. For now, prune what you need to do just so that, like I say, it's a safe situation. You can get by, you can enjoy, you're not getting caught or having your, you know, eyes pierced out as as you go by the rose. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. That's so very helpful, and I truly enjoy your program. My first call, but I've been listening to you for a long time. Well, Wonderful. that's great, Mary. And Thanks, I've Mary. just thought of a, a little number I'm going to play just for you uh, on the uh, noon hour at, at the diner. It's called oh. Woodchopper's Ball. Uh, oh. by, yeah, because you're going to be chopping wood there, it sounds, <laughs> from what Charlie's been telling you. <laughs> She's got you busy, too. <laughs> thank you so very much. Thanks okay, a pleasure. Call. Thank you so much. Right. Here we are, AM 740 Zoomer Radio, live from the Zoomer Plex in Liberty Village. Frank Proctor along with Charlie Dobbin, of course, and James Patrick Dooley, the first voice you hear when you call in. Let me uh, just give the phone numbers one more time because a lot of folks do know it, you know, being regular listeners, but there are those who might be joining us for the very first time. You never know. 416-360-0740 in Toronto and uh, anywhere else in the province. It's toll-free. It doesn't cost you a penny. one 866 all righty, uh, back to our lines we go and have a word with Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. No, oh, morning. 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 Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask um, if it's possible that uh, strawberries, um, the, um, the strawberries that, that come up every year, the perennial ones, uh-huh. uh, is it possible that you can grow those inside or anybody know? You could, but if you wanted to actually get strawberries, like strawberry fruit from these plants, you have to recognize that they do need a dormant period, which is what they get outside. They go to sleep for the winter, excuse me, and then in the spring, wake up and put out flowers. And of course, they need that dormant period to set the flower buds. Inside our homes, it's very difficult to provide that dormant period because it's too warm. So, you, uh, so you, there's uh, there's no no type of strawberries that do that, eh? Um, not not that I know of. I mean, there might be. I I don't know all the varieties available in the world. But when I think about, well, stra- see, well, think of like Florida. Maybe, Pardon? Maybe crossbreed out there somewhere. Maybe um, uh, like a temperate climate strawberry. I don't think so. When we're when we're not getting strawberries in our local Ontario market, they're coming from Chile and places like that, and they're being grown high enough in the mountains that they are getting that cool uh, period. You don't see strawberries in Florida, for example. You don't see strawberries anywhere where there's not a real winter. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like uh, I went up by uh, the tracks by a hump, um, there's a campground up uh, just off Highway 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was all kinds of uh, strawberries just uh, in the campground. Yeah, yeah, they do grow as a wild... Apart from Humber Nurseries. That's right. They do grow as a wild uh, ground cover, actually, uh, and they're lovely, but can be quite invasive. Tiny, tiny, tasty little strawberries grow on them if you can get them before the birds. But yeah, the trick is I wouldn't try to actually succeed with them indoors unless you want to just grow them as a green plant. You won't get actual strawberries for long. All right. Okay. Um, what's, uh, what's a good uh, indoor green plant that uh, you can grow all year round that you can grow outside even? In the, in the summertime that uh, you can eat off of. Mm, that you can yep. eat off of. That's a good question. You know what, Jeff, leave that thought with me because you just snuck in a second question. I'm, fr- I'm holding Frank back. <laughs> I had my ticket book out. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, an edible plant. Well, uh, you know, off the top of my head, herbs. You could yeah, grow. You can eat all the time. Something grows quick. Well, you know, things like parsley and stuff if you have a sunny enough window. Or, you know what's great? is sprouts from seed. 
little all kinds of neat little sprouts, bean sprouts and radish sprouts and little seeds in a yeah, ju- in yeah. a jar with a little water. You can eat them year round. Just you pl- yeah, replant right. them every week. You you do that too, eh? Yes, I do. They're delicious. So, um, but yeah, for anything else, I mean, there's many herbs that'll grow indoors, and otherwise, leave this with me. And um, you know, we have had some callers with lemon trees and that sort of thing. So, many of the tropical plants—the lemons, the grapefruits, the oranges—outside in the summer, inside in the winter. Here's a thought: if you have enough sun, it all comes down to having enough sun. I hope that all helps you, Jeff. Tree that used to be uh, up in upper cycle. Mm-hmm. Used to watch a train go by, eat strawberries, and um, and and uh, cream and sugar on Ooh, it. Ooh la la! Yeah, very good. Well, Fond thanks, memories. Jeff. Thanks, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we've got to scoot along, Jeff. I'm sorry, we've got other calls waiting here, and you snuck in a second question yeah. on me, you smooth devil. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> here we are with uh, uh, oh emanating. This calls emanating from uh, one of my favorite uh, areas, yeah. towns, Niagara on the Lake, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, uh, the Shaw Festival just announced their season for next year. They're being, they're having a Bang up year this year, and also this past week, as you might know from the news, the premiers were meeting I in Niagara the Lake. Yep. And I want to ask Erica, who's online, whether she had a chance to have a peek at the top leaders of the provinces. Hi, Erica. Good morning. Good morning. No, I didn't see them. Okay. Uh, okay. No. I don't think you missed much anyway. <laughs> Probably not. No. I'm calling about my cucumber English cucumber plant. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It started off really, really nicely, and I got one long cucumber, probably about a foot long. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to, the leaves are starting to turn brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, it's kind of like in a, in a hill um, with three different plants. Mm-hmm. And one by one, you know, they're yeah. just kind of dying. And it's, is it wilting? Is it kind of collapsing? The leaves are yeah. suddenly sort of hanging there? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Cucumbers, the, what happens quite often to cucumbers, and this was, we saw this quite a bit last year, <clears throat> there are insects. Okay, let me just remember this. Cucumber beetles will, when you aren't watching, come along way back shortly after you planted the plant. So maybe in early June, mid-June. And they um, do a little bit of sucking of juices from the leaves. When they do that, they leave behind a virus which causes the plants to wilt and die. Oh. So it's actually to control the disease, you have to control the insect. Okay. And of course, we never see the insect, so we never think about it. But uh, that is something that does uh, happen quite often. And frankly, the best way to control that insect is with, it's called a floating row cover. It's like a very fine mesh. And you put this mesh over your cucumber plants early in the season when we're concerned that those horrible bugs might be around. Uh, But we have to take the mesh off the plants when they start to flower. Otherwise, you'll never get fruits because they need insects to do the pollinating. Okay, because so. I know there are these little, I saw these little uh, yellow bugs with a, with a stripe. Mm-hmm, that sounds good. Kind of one, and they would even get into the flowers. Yep. That bug you don't want on your cucumbers. No. Okay. okay. So there's Cucum- nothing you can spray. No. 
There's nothing you can spray and there's nothing you can do once it happens. What you can do is be prepared next year so that you are keeping your eyes peeled for exactly that little insect you're talking about, yellow with a green stripe. And you can spray at that time when the insect is on the plant and avoid the the what would decline. What you spray with? Well... With any kind of a beetle, they're a little tricky to kill with some of the fairly gentle um, sprays that we have available to us. A soap and water spray or something like Bug Be Gone, which is a pyrethrin-based spray. Either of those can work. The trick is you have to coat the insect with the spray. Yeah. It's not just a little light misting. You have to really spray thoroughly and carefully, but not at high noon when the sun is shining on the plant. So this roll cover, it's a very fine mesh. Mm -hmm. It is. It comes in all different weights. It is used as a barrier to protect plants from insects. But in the case of cucumbers, because we do need insects on them for pollination, it's a timing thing. Um, But sometimes people use the, the roll covers to protect from a late spring frost and even to prolong the harvest to protect from an early fall frost okay. uh, when they're a little heavier weight. But all you would need is a very lightweight one. If you, if you Google floating row cover, okay. uh, you'll see all kinds of them will come up. They're available uh, by the web or at a good uh, garden center. Okay. Right. Because, um, like, I, I've got a – my plant is in a community garden. Oh, yeah. Okay, and the, the cucumbers that are on the – on the ground, that type, they are green, they're lush, they're beautiful, there's nothing, nothing there that's... Of somebody else's cucumbers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <coughs> well, and actually, you know what, I'm thinking about this. English cucumbers, now that I'm remembering this, they actually don't even need to be pollinated. You can actually cover an English cucumber and leave it covered with a floating row cover. Oh. If, if you Google English uh, English cucumber, I think you'll find that uh, you'll discover that they actually do uh, self-pollinate. They do provide uh, fruits without insect pollination. So there's that as well. That's the advantage of English cucumbers. Okay. Right. So <clears throat> is it, you, you put the, float, uh, the roll cover on like... The entire plant. <clears throat> yeah, like we have it's in an enclosure of, let's say... You know, like four big um, fence posts. Yep. Oh, well, yeah, but unless your whole, your whole garden is just cucumbers. It's just the plant. Yeah. Right. So you might, you might get a couple of um, stakes. You might make a couple of arches with some stakes and just f- um, hmm? literally float the row cover over top of something that will stabilize it. Because, you, you know, you don't want the, the row cover to collapse the plants. So if your cucumbers are growing on uh, some kind of a trellis, then okay. your trellis becomes your your form that uh-huh. your netting hangs over top of and then a few little rocks around the bottom yeah. to keep the bottom down tight to the ground. So, so it has to be done like... Early. As soon as the plant is... Planted. Visible. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Erica, and I hope that uh, helps you in your cucumber problem. I yeah, didn't uh, know this before, but well, there's... For next year, not this year. That's no, right. Next year, right. For next year. Okay. There is a, a burpless... Cucumber. Yes, yes. yes burpless. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to start using that one. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, that's a whole thing is burpless cucumbers. Because the regular cucumbers, yeah. sometimes people find that makes them very burpy. 
So that not 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 good for a radio pronouncer no, to be burping. No, no, no. no. It is nine forty and a half here at AM seven forty, <laughs> and uh, we will return for calls. And as a matter of fact, there's a first time caller waiting on the line. Oh, we'll get good. to in just a flash here. But it is time, of course, to get a little more information about how we keep ourselves quite limber and pain free. Well, that's and how you Charlie talk- Dobbin has all the information close to her heart. Frank and we'll share it with you now. talks so smoothly. Thank That's you. because his jaw is never, never... Uh, actually stiff or achy. And or that's hinged. because <laughs> the hinges are running smooth because Frank takes his Sierra Sil every day. Three little pills, completely natural mineral supplement used to keep those joints oiled and, and working smoothly and, as I mentioned, pain-free. So if you do suffer from any aches or stiffness, you may want to try Sierra Sil. It doesn't work for everybody, but it, if it's going to work, you'll know within 14 days, and that's where the phone number comes in, one eight seven seven joint 14 or give them a call. They're wonderful people. Answer all your questions. Uh, check them on the web, sierrasil.ca. And it is, of course, available at many health food stores, including the Good Health Mart on Marycroft Avenue in Woodbridge. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And your sous chef, Frank Proctor, welcoming a first-time caller to the air. Hello, Julie in Etobicoke. Welcome. Hi. Morning. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me... um the name of a perennial medium-high white daisy that would last all summer. I have right now a medium-high daisy, but it comes uh, up in June, and it dies in July. And uh, uh, the place doesn't look so nice when they die, and uh, I can't put anything else there. Yeah. I wanted one. I like a white daisy, but I wanted one... That would last all summer. There is, uh, my bad news is there is no uh, daisy that will bloom all summer. Oh. That's the trick with perennials. And that's actually one of the things we love about the, the perennials is that they'll come up, some will come up, and as it's going down, another one's coming up. So it sounds like you're working in a very tight situation. Yeah, like it's small. a little space, yeah. Is it quite sunny? Yeah, the sun is good there, yeah. Because you know what you might want to think about? There are some lovely daylilies that bloom pretty much all summer, on and off. One of the well-known ones is called Stella Doro. Uh, but there's another one I love called Happy Returns. It's a, it's a softer yellow than the Stella Doro, which is a bit of a very golden, almost, you know, in-your-face uh, bright yellow. Uh, so, you know, maybe consider something like that. Maybe right around that, you could sort of tight, make it, maybe it's too tight, but perhaps you have room for both the daisy and a little Happy Returns or a Stella Doro Daylily, and then you'd have flowering for longer, plus, of course, the yellow center on the daisy would be beautifully, um, uh, what's the word, you know, harmonize with the yellow daylily. Do I have to take the lily out uh, in the winter time? No, no. You leave it alone. They're very tough, very oh. easy. Is there another 
Daisy that would last more than a month? No. No, no they, they all do that. The fl- as you see, you know, the flowers come up, the flowers finish. Then you go in with your little pruners, you cut the flowers off right at ground level, and new green growth all starts to grow at the base. If you're very lucky, sometimes you'll get a few more flowers later in the season, but uh, you won't get a lot, not like that first flush. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's the trick. Is, is there another plant that looks like a daisy but would last all summer? There are annual flowers that... I know, the, but, but I wanted a re- perennial. Right, but see, that's the trick. None of the perennials will bloom all summer. They all have their season of blooming and finishing, but nothing blooms all summer. Oh. I know, I that's the frustration. But like I say, see if you can maybe fit something else in there. Or maybe one of our listeners has a suggestion of a white flowering daisy that blooms for longer than a month, and will give us a call. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Julie. Thank you for joining the show and for being a first-time caller here. And boy, we're setting a bit of record for first-time callers. Are we? Yes, indeed. Up now, uh, Melanie, another first-time caller. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Good morning. You're hurting. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank. Welcome to the show. But that just hurt my ears. Yeah, Frank. that was a little loud. I it's, got excited. He did. <laughs> his Sierra cell, his shoulders, obviously working too well. Wonderful. <laughs> oh. oh dear, I have um, some uh, hydrangeas that I planted a couple of years ago. The first year we planted them, they already had the bloom in the ground. But uh, this year, I find that one of the hydrangeas is blooming well. It's uh, got flowers. The other one, it has a little sun in front of a grape, uh, uh, in front of some grapes that are growing, mm-hmm. and that has some yellow leaves on it. And I also noticed that I have to water it almost um, every two to three days, or the, or the leaves sort of wilt on the one that has a little bit of the brown. And there were no blooms this year on that and one. And I blamed my husband because I said you cut it down too low to the ground. Okay, so it sounds to me when okay, no, this is all good. When you purchased and planted the hydrangeas, they had blooms. They were pink round blooms. They were the blue violet. Okay, but they were round. Yes, round. Okay, so what you've and do you remember? Were they called endless summer? No, there was some kind of a Latin technical term. I'm not sure, but I do have the card somewhere. I saved it. But it, yeah, they were very big, beautiful blooms. Okay, so what you've planted the the Latin name that you're it was um, yeah you're forgetting is called hydrangea macrophylla. And macrophylla means macro means big, and phylla means foliage or leaves. So it's a big leaved hydrangea, also known as the mop head hydrangeas because they get the big mop round flowers. Yeah. The newer varieties have been selected for blooming on both this year's growth and last year's growth, mm-hmm. unlike the old varieties that only bloomed on last year's growth. Mm-hmm. And the trick was that in our climate, in, in Ontario, Toronto area and north, we found that last year's growth would get killed in the winter right to the ground, mm-hmm. so we had to cut them right down to ground level. All the growth was new growth that would come up in the spring and summer, and quite often then we would not have any uh, blooms because it was all new growth. Mm-hmm. And as I point out, though, with the newer varieties, we are seeing flowering on, on uh, many of them. But they're not perfectly, what's the word? They're not really reliable. Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes they, you'll go a whole year without a flower on them. And then the next year you'll get four or five or six flowers. So they do seem to kind of have their up years and down years. Mm-hmm. 
uh, number two, you said it's planted in front of a grape, and the grape is obviously quite established and is taking it, it is, the but moisture. Still, the hydrangea is still getting uh, the sun, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering about the leaves that are drooping and with the brown color on the leaves. While my neighbors, they, I asked her, I says, what do you do? They're stunning. They're about four feet high, and she says nothing. They're pink. She doesn't water them. She doesn't cut them. She doesn't touch them, and every year she's had blooms. <laughs> right. So what I do with the hydrangeas that you have and your neighbor has is in the spring, I wait, and I watch, and I because you don't do any pruning in the fall. Leave them alone in the fall, winter, come spring. You've got all these brown sticks sticking up out of the ground. That's right. <clears throat> As the spring is progressing and plants are starting to grow and ground is thawing, little green buds will start to show up on those brown sticks. Mm -hmm. The pruning I do is only to the first little green bud. So some sticks might be brown right to the ground and some sticks might be only the top two inches are brown and then there's green buds. Mm -hmm. So we trim off everything that's dead and that's the brown shriveled stuff that is not growing. We leave the green, we let it grow. Fertilize, obviously, in the spring. At that point, you leave the plants alone. However, if there's a competition with other plants, you will find that your plant may be suffering for lack of moisture. Remember, hydrangea means water-loving. Hydrangeas do like a fair amount of moisture, so there could be a bit of that going on, the hot weather. They, when they droop on a hot, sunny day, if you go in and feel that soil, you may find that soil is moist. They droop just from the heat. That oh. hydrangeas are famous for that. They look like they're dry. So they're trying to fool me. Yes. They're just playing with your head. Uh-huh. So, so don't... Give us water even though we don't need it. Well, that's it. So go, don't assume they really are dry. You know, get your little trowel, dig down an inch or so, and look at the color of the soil. You may find it's still quite moist. It's just that heat buildup. They will droop. Mm-hmm. But the other just small thing to mention is that hydrangeas also prefer a soil with a lower pH than our average soils. So if you want to um, do the best thing for your hydrangea, Get some pine needles, put them around the base, uh, some peat moss in the spring around the base, or even some soil acidifier or a sulfur product for acidifying your soil a little bit around the base of the hydrangea. You will find they'll be greener if you do that, and also hopefully you'll get more flowers. Ah, I have a big blue spruce about uh, seven feet away from it. Uh, should I get some of those needles yeah, and put perfect, it around? Perfect, perfect. Oh, oh, wonderful. And the brown part of it on the leaves. What is the brown, the light yellow, yellow brown? If it's on the edges, it could just be that it has been dried out uh, and you'll get that little bit of crispiness around the edges. No, it's on the inside of the leaf and just uh, sort of a, a blotchy and oh, okay. on different leaves. That is, believe it or not, and a bunch of people who are listening are going to recognize what you're talking about, little brown spots that you've never seen on leaves before. It's environmental stress. That It's been a stressful year for the plants. We had such a long, cold spring and wet spring, and then we got into super high heat and humidity, oh. and the plants are showing stress. Anything that, I can do? No, the plants are very smart. They, what they do is they, they've, they're they able to, right down on a cellular level, they just close off that bit of tissue, and they just continue to stay green around it. So just ignore it. Don't so worry about it. would that be why they wouldn't have blooms this year also, the stress? Perhaps, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But don't no, worry about those leaves. can't get pregnant when they're stressed. Right. No, exactly, exactly. They, you know, they got to strut their stuff. They got to be feeling good, and it has been a tough year for a lot of the plants. Well, thank you. That's just wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so for much. your call, Melanie. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Okay, bye bye now. Uh, you're listening to the Garden Show here on AM seven forty. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and come back and have a word with uh, Martha in Waterloo. As a matter of fact, um, there we should be introducing a song. 
Look it up, James. Waterloo, Stonewall Jackson. Oh. See if we can get that up. Yeah, yeah. This is the garden show, Frank. I know, but it's this is a way of, you know, just improving the garden show. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm in trouble now. Back in a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we welcome Martha from Waterloo. Hello, Martha. Hello. Yes, welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. I'm calling in response to the um, discussion on the daisies. Uh Um, I had planted a daisy by the name of Becky. Yes. It was named the Flower of the Year by Sheridan Nursery. And I'm going to say a good 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I've only bought one plant. The first plant presently, and I'm not bragging, it's got to be six feet by four feet right now. Mm, wow. And I've, put a f- I've given tons away, and I've put a few in other beds. And the beauty of that variety was that it blooms from June to September. Wow. Okay, good. So that's good news and for... And I'm not fooling. It really <laughs> does. Thanks like, for this. And I don't, I don't do anything special. I mean, it, it's, it's just a beauty. And that's full sun, obviously. Um, there is a tree there, but I would say pretty close to full sun. Okay, good. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I too have Becky growing at my place, but it's in a fair amount of shade, so it doesn't bloom all summer. So in your case, June to September. Yes. Nice. Well, and I... this is what they actually specified when I bought it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, thank and you, Martha. I'm going to add another little tidbit, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, my hydrangeas are almost as old, and um, they're the... Uh, some endless summer, mm-hmm. um, pink. And last year I didn't think they were as pink, so this year, for the first time, I used the lime mm-hmm. in the spring. Yep. And I and I'm I I, I sound like I'm bragging, but That's honestly, fine. the blooms are so huge and wow. so many. Good to hear. And and and, and uh, deeper pink right. than they were before. Right. I am just thrilled. They're just very showy and very gorgeous. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's I love great. hearing happy stories. Exactly. <laughs> she gets enough of me, so she wants, you know, There's really the up song. stuff. That's the song. Waterloo. There we are. Well, and I enjoy your program. <laughs> thanks, Martha. Thank you. So thank you, thank you. All right. Our <laughs> okay. pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. All right. So just, uh, uh, again, I hope Julie was listening <clears throat> from Etobicoke because Julie mm-hmm. was looking for Daisy that blooms all summer. So the cultivar name is Becky, B-E-C-K-Y, blooms June to September at Martha's house. And she, notice she added lime yes. to hydrangeas, yeah. which is the opposite of what I suggested to Melanie when she said she wasn't getting any blooms. Now, the lime, of course, raises the pH, right? When we're yeah, talking yeah. neutral is 7, you go up by adding an alkali, you go down by adding an acid. So what she's found is she's got 
big, bright pink blooms by adding a little bit of lime to her soil. Interesting. I mean, most of Ontario is limestone-based, mm-hmm. so we typically don't need to add a lot of lime. We usually have pretty high pH anyway, which is why I was suggesting to bring that down a bit. And then you'll also get more of the purple and blue tones if that's the color you want on your flowers. Okay. Do we have time for uh, one more call? If we go All fast. right, we go fast, and <laughs> we'll do that because Richard from Thornhill... First-time caller, welcome to the show, Richard. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, I'm not the gardener in the house, it's my wife. Mm-hmm. And she was worried about my recycling bin, which basically was mainly grass that I recycle. Mm-hmm. And this year I cleaned it all out, and I've got a lot of black earth out of it. Nice. And she is worried that it's going to be too strong to put into the garden, oh. <laughs> excuse me, to the garden without mixing it with some sort of... Um, peat moss or something. No, no, because when you put it into the garden, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, you're putting it into existing garden soil, right? You're oh, not going to put yeah. it in a pot or something. So just, and typically what we'll do is, or what I'll do, because I'm a bit of a lazy gardener, I'll take my beautiful black earth that comes out of my composters and I'll just sprinkle it around on the surface of the soil, maybe half an inch to a full inch thick. And I just leave it alone. The worms and the sow bugs and all the, the little microorganisms do the mixing for me. I don't do a lot of digging. But so, no, don't worry. The one thing is you don't want to do is have that compost come in direct contact with the stems of any plants. That's where that strength thing comes in that your wife was referring to. Oh, I see. So the compost is perfectly fine on the surface of the soil, but not touching the, the stems of any of the herbaceous plants. So it wouldn't be advisable to plant anything in it then? Well, but remember, if you're going to plant into it, you're going to dig a hole, uh, you, whatever you're going to plant, um, you're in Thornhill, so you've probably got a fairly heavy clay soil anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So adding a shovel full or two of compost into your existing heavy clay soil is an amazingly good thing to do. The plants love the organic material. Um, okay. Well, this is probably why I planted for me planting. <laughs> spread some grass seed on some of the soil and then put a little bit more soil on top of it and mm-hmm. nothing's happened, so I figured it's all dead. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you got to be careful covering grass seed. It just takes the tiniest bit of, of soil. Um, all right, got to go. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you, bye-bye. Thank bye-bye. you so much. And uh, there's a gal, uh, Claudia has been calling in and keeps getting bumped off the line for no reason we can't. But So we're going to uh, hopefully get a phone number for uh, Claudia and save it, and we'll call her next week. So Good she's idea. tried so hard to get on the I show. Know. And we're out of, front, out of time. I mean, really out of time. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Everybody, see you next week. You got it. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.